What happens when you put two experts behind mics to match wits on the current state of financial services, the economy, investments, and more? From the American College of Financial Services, this is Wealth Managed. Welcome to the Wealth Managed Podcast. I'm Michael Finca. I'm a professor of wealth management at the American College. And I'm David Blanchett, head of retirement research for PGM. And today we have a special guest on the podcast. Our guest today is Wade Flau. Four, five, killing it, wow. killing it nonstop. Wade is a professor of retirement income at the American College. By the way, David, did you know that Pfau is, is German? It's a German name of a bird, a peacock. And did you know that Finca is the German name for a finch? So you're, you're the odd man out today. You need a German name of a bird <laughs> to be part of this club. So, so I've chosen one for you. It's, it's Hanschen. So you can be David Hanschen. What you may ask is a Hanschen. It is a male chicken. So you can be our male chicken for the day. So if the chicken is white, that actually works because Blanchet is French for the color white. So if it's a white chicken, I think that I'm gay. Well, you are the other white meat then. Okay. <laughs> so wait, let's... Let's start out by talking about one of our favorite topics, which is the use of home equity in retirement. This is actually a pretty important topic because for most average Americans, they have a big chunk of their wealth in their retirement savings and their home equity. So a large component of the amount of financial resources that they have to use for enjoyment in retirement is locked up in this single asset. And that's inefficient in a way, because that means that if they don't want to pass on that wealth to their kids, if they don't tap that asset, they're not living as well as they could. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought the first topic was going to be how we, there's so many names you can pronounce my last name. We could have a whole session on that. But yeah, I think David's the one who wrote the article on how having an undiversified home really doesn't necessarily fit into your investment strategy all in such a great way. But right, a reverse mortgage, it's, it's such an interesting planning tool. That's why I got interested. I, my, most of my research is just writing programs, simulating different retirement outcomes. And there's so many different aspects of the reverse mortgage that, that make it cool in that regard. But right, with a reverse mortgage, you can divorce the future home value away from your ability to use this asset in retirement. And so it can help to diversify or to at least to protect from a decrease in home values as step one of having home equity as part of a retirement plan. So wait, how are, how are advisors and retirees using reverse mortgages and similar strategies today? The most popular way they get used, and it's a way that's different from most of the research that we've seen about them, is for people who are carrying a traditional mortgage into retirement, that's a big fixed expense. And you know, we talk about the idea of sequence of returns risk in retirement, and a market downturn early on can really disrupt your plans. Well, that's especially the case if you have a big mortgage payment that's fixed, that is not flexible at all, and you get a market downturn, that can cause a big problem. So refinancing your traditional mortgage into a reverse mortgage can really help manage sequence risk. And it's the most popular way they're used in practice. You might not know that based on most of the, the research and so forth that we can talk about. It's on a different use, but yeah, it's the refinancing a traditional mortgage. So if I'm a financial advisor, what options do I need to be aware of? 
so there are proprietary reverse mortgages too, but still the majority, vast majority of the market is the home equity conversion mortgage program. It's government administered. And so it's standardized in that regard. Basically, a lot of lenders specialize in working with financial advisors. And so getting to know one of them in your area can be a great step forward. And then since it's a government administered program, there's not necessarily that many ways to get yourself in trouble as long as with planning clients, thinking about using the reverse mortgage as a responsible part of a retirement strategy and not as a way to get access to funds for some shady investment product or something like that. So Wade, you know, I know that reverse mortgages are still like widely underutilized, right? Any thoughts on why that's the case, how that's changing, what the future holds? Yeah, yeah. Mark Warshawski a few years back had a study about reverse mortgages where he estimated about 14% of the population could benefit from them, which may not seem like a high number. And, and that's the population of people age 62 and older who are the only ones who are even eligible. But less than 1% of that population is actually using them. So there's huge potential for growth. And we've seen growth over time. It's just, I think the big hurdles are there's upfront costs to set them up. And part of that is there's a, a mortgage insurance premium for that FHA insurance that it has a lot of protections associated with it, but it's 2% of the home's value up to the maximum lending limit, limit for any given year. And so that can be $15,000 or so just right there potentially for a more highly valued home. So I think people just, it's, it's tough to overcome that hurdle that you're going to set up something that could be helpful in a lot of ways in retirement, but with all costs included, might be around $20,000 to initiate. And I think people struggle with that. So that, that's a result of since 2017, we've had the current system of rules. Before that time, it was a different world. And there were reverse mortgage lines of credit being set up for $125. And then it was really a no-brainer. And I think oh, some of that aspect of it went away after those rule changes in 2017, where, where people just struggled to pay that much for something that they may, they may or may not use it for their retirements. It's an insurance policy. Why did that change? It seems like a pretty big jump, right, to, for retiree households to have to kind of cross that threshold and access their equity. Well, I think it's this, we live in a world where financial planners are clever and, and figure out strategies that maybe the policymakers had not intended. And reverse mortgages was another example of this, just like we saw with social security, where once everyone started getting clever about filing restricted applications and things, the government said, okay, that's enough. We're not allowing that anymore. <laughs> well, financial planners started to figure out you could set up this growing line of credit with a reverse mortgage. And for very little cost, back with the old rules, I estimated that in about 20 years, you had about a 50% chance that the line of credit could be worth more than the value of the home. And it's a non-recourse loan. So you could basically get a windfall out of your home that's funded through the taxpayers with the mortgage insurance fund. And the government just kind of caught up and said, okay, we see what's going on here. Let's put a, <laughs> some restrictions on that. And they didn't take away the whole value of the reverse mortgage by any means, but they certainly slowed down some of those benefits by raising the initial cost. And, and slowing the growth rate for the line of credit as well. So the whole idea of a reverse mortgage, it, it sounds like you get a lump sum, but that's not the only option. What are your options when you actually receive the funds from a reverse mortgage? So you have a, a few different options. It's the line of credit with the variable rate HECM, which is a, the most common type of reverse mortgage. And you could take a big lump sum out of that initially, especially if you're using it to like refinance an existing mortgage, or you can just leave it for the most part as a line of credit and let it grow and potentially use it later. And then the other two main options are a term payment or a tenure payment. 
And the tenure payment, it's like a tenured professor. It's T-E-N-U-R-E, not 10 years. A tenure payment, it's kind of like an income annuity. It's not necessarily for life, but as long as you maintain eligibility for the loan by living in the home and doing basic homeowner maintenance and so forth, you receive this monthly income for, for as long as you're eligible. And that could be it's like an income annuity with mortality credits because it could go above and beyond the line of credit capacity. And back to that non-recourse aspect, you could still be getting these monthly tenure payments, even though the loan balance is much higher than the home's value. And you're not gonna have to pay back any of that at the end. So that tenure lifetime payment option is the other interesting way along a term payments, just like that, except it's for a fixed term, 10 years, 20 years, eight years to delay social security however you want to set that up. Why would anybody get a tenure payment when they could just simply buy an income annuity that's going to last after they have to leave the house and go into a long-term care facility? Well, that would be the asterisk on the tenure payment that you do have that risk that it's not for a lifetime. But the big advantage it has over the income annuity is there's no upfront premium. You don't have to take money out of your investment portfolio and, and buy the income annuity. You turn on the tenure payment and then instead of that money disappearing from your portfolio right away, it's just each month when you receive that payment, it's added to your loan balance. And so you end up not really using more than, than you actually end up using in that regard. So it's a trade-off there. It's not guaranteed for a lifetime, but it also doesn't take a big lump sum out of your portfolio either. I, I think that's a big advantage. So wait, if I'm an advisor or retiree listening to the podcast, because we have so many retirees that love our podcast. <laughs> What, what, what should I like take away from this? Like, what are some kind of key next steps that, that they can do to kind of figure out if this should be something like worth additional consideration? Well, I, yeah, I think it's worth spending some time with the basic research that's been done going back to the journal financial planning. That's where I mentioned a lot of the research is about a different strategy, which is the idea of a buffer asset, where if the markets are down, you can spend from the reverse mortgage to help protect your portfolio. There's so many different ways it can be used and to just get, get a sense of how that all works understand there's a lot of misconceptions about reverse mortgages, such as you never give up the title to your home. I, I think that's, there's almost this universal belief that you lose the title of your home to get a reverse mortgage. And that was never true with this HECM program. I, I wrote a book, Reverse Mortgages, How to Secure Your Retirement with a Reverse Mortgage that covers all that material. There's a lot of great books out there, like from Dan Hulquist or Don Graves or others that really, not long books, but it's an easy way to start to understand how the reverse mortgage can fit into, into retirement planning. But your book is the best, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> At the American College of Financial Services, we're proud of the accomplishments of our expert faculty and thought leaders and the recognition they receive both inside and outside our organization. This is George Nichols, President and CEO, and I'd like to congratulate Michael Finca and David Blanchett, hosts of our Wealth Managed podcast, on being named to the 2021 Think Advisor IA25 list of professionals pushing the financial services industry forward. On behalf of all of us at the college, keep up the great work. Give your clients the retirement security they need with our Retirement Income Certified Professional designation. Visit theamericancollege.edu slash RICP to learn more. We're here with Wade Fowle. Let's continue our conversation where we left off. 
Wait, what are some of the tax consequences of using home equity? I know there used to be some advantages that don't exist today. Well, in terms of when you're spending the money, it is proceeds from a loan, so it's not taxable income and therefore can play the same kind of role as a Roth distribution where it's a way to spend without adding to your adjusted gross income. And then some of the other tax consequences just relate to when you repay the loan balance. If it's acquisition debt, and that can include refinancing a traditional mortgage that was used for acquisition, then you can get a deduction on the interest portion of the payments. And so a lot of the tax planning around that is because repayment is voluntary until the loan balance becomes due, you might have a big deductible interest payment all in one year. And so to plan around making sure you can take advantage of that would be where most of the interesting tax planning is associated. I know David has done some research on housing within an individual portfolio. A lot of people think that they're going to pass on their home to their kids, but the value of that home as a legacy asset, there's a lot of volatility there. There's a lot of, I think, idiosyncratic risk. And I know David has done some research into the risk of housing. It was really eye-opening, I thought, because the average return on housing is pretty modest, but the amount of risk, especially at the neighborhood level, is quite a bit larger than I expected it to be. It's actually more equity-like. Yeah, I mean, it's not just research. It's really good research I did a while ago looking at home price indexes. And I think, like, so one thing that's really important that people don't realize with, like, the Case-Shiller Index is, one, they're almost always repeat sales. And so that totally ignores renovations, capital improvements, all the things people do when they flip home. So it's dramatically overstating the returns you're going to receive from the actual index you're looking at too. There's just a lot of idiosyncratic risk, right? I think that, again, these indexes, you know, whether they're regional or national, it, it, it assumes diversification. You only have one home in one area. And, you know, the returns to housing have been very different for someone who, say, lived in Detroit versus someone who's lived in California the last 20 or 30 years. And so I think that it's true that for most Americans, the home is one of their most significant assets. I think that the financial aspects of that home are going to vary wildly based upon where you live and what happens in that area. And for retirees, too, the appreciation may not be as great if they're living in the home for a long time. Maybe the home maintenance isn't as great as it always has been. And it's an older neighborhood and that sort of thing. Now, you still own the home with a reverse mortgage. But the point is, with that non-recourse aspect, if the loan balance that you've accumulated exceeds 95% of the appraised home value, then you can essentially do a, a deed in lieu of foreclosure and, and not have to worry about making up the difference. And that's where it can provide a protective hedge on that idiosyncratic risk you're taking with that home. Wait, but I'm just thinking it is in the advisor's best interest to tap some of that home equity to cover cost of living expenses for a retiree. They're going to have more assets to manage. They're not charging AUM on home equity. Why don't more advisors take advantage of this? I don't know. It's a good question. I think there's just so many misunderstandings. It's kind of like the annuity where there can be a lot of negative conceptions that just haven't really had a chance to play out. And a, a lot of the media coverage has become much more positive, but when it is negative, it's usually not about financial planning clients. It's, it's about using a reverse mortgage as a last resort option. And then problems developing where they may not be able to maintain homeowner's insurance or pay the property taxes, and then the home can be foreclosed upon. And that's the negative coverage. And the advisor is just not necessarily recognizing that that's not really relevant for their clients. They're not going to be in that type of situation. So they're not just not getting a chance to understand all the potential benefits that the reverse mortgage can provide. 
Who do you think shouldn't use a reverse mortgage? When does it not make sense? You should anticipate staying in the home. So if you already know you're going to move in a couple of years, you should probably hold off. And you do need to live in an eligible home. And if the home is worth millions of dollars and <laughs> your mortgage is exceeds what the home equity conversion mortgage program could cover, you're probably not going to be a good candidate either. But if otherwise you have no or a relatively low mortgage balance, you live in an eligible home, you anticipate staying in that home for a long period of time, it's probably worth taking a look at it as an option. What is an eligible home? Well, single family homes are mostly all eligible, but we get into issues with like multifamily homes and different types of condos where they may not all fall under the FHA guidelines of being eligible. This is Chris, one of the producers for the podcast. Wade, where did all the bad press come from? I mean, there seems to be late night television that's kind of full of reverse mortgage stuff. And I just like want to turn my head and run. Do you know anything about that in terms of these products? So the, the late night TV commercials have always been a part of that. And whether it was Fred Thompson or now Tom Selleck today, Alec Trebek, Henry Winkler, you see all these celebrities who are hawking reverse mortgages on late night TV. And I think that leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And it's, it's hard to overcome that kind of perception. You still see it with late night comedy shows making fun of reverse mortgages, or I know Mad Magazine had a kind of funny <laughs> parody of reverse mortgages. It's hard to overcome all that. So it's definitely part of our culture, but it's a, it's a slow process. And it, I don't know how it all started in the first place, because it's not like the reverse mortgage has been around forever. The, the Heckam program just goes back to the late 1980s, but they've had this negative perception and it's not clear exactly how that all developed. It's, <laughs> Hopefully we can overcome it. But are, are they selling bad products that are different than what you're talking about? No, those commercials are all going to be for the HECM program. Now, over time, the government has added more safeguards to the program. So the product is the same. It's just how it might be used. And in the past, spouses who were not eligible because they were not yet 62 wouldn't have had the protections. And so that could be a problem. The product could have been used to get access to a, a chunk of money to put into a shady investment product or a shady insurance product, and that left a bad taste in people's mouths. But today's reverse mortgage program has a lot of that all taken care of. It's not a part of today's program. There's, as problems develop, the government takes corrective action, and every few years we see a complete new set of rules, and we're kind of overdue now. 2017 was that last major rule change. So Wade, if you are a financial advisor, where do you get started? How do you find out what your options are in terms of product choices? The product is fairly standard. It's the HECM program and a few proprietary products. But yeah, just try to get in touch with a, a reverse mortgage lender in your community. And there are a lot of reverse mortgage lenders that, that emphasize and specialize in working with advisors. You'll even find them in the Financial Planning Association chapters. You've even had a number of reverse mortgage lenders get an RACP designation so they could better talk to financial advisors. So find somebody who specializes in working with financial advisors and, and then you should be in good shape to, to have a reliable set of eyes and ears to, to look at whether this may help any of your clients. So I guess the answer is call Magnum PI or the funds. Wade, that was very interesting. Thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. I'm Michael Finka. And I'm David Blanchett. Punchin. <laughs> See you later. For more episodes and shows, visit theamericancollege.edu slash podcasts. Wealth Managed is a production of the American College of Financial Services.